Welcome to Not Your Typical Podcast. My name is Cheryl Warren, an award-winning trainer and consultant from the UK. I'm sharing my story, my passion, and my experiences to enable those working in earlier settings to change their thinking, their approach, and their provision, ensuring our neurodivergent children thrive in these critical early years. This is your go-to space for all things that celebrate the wonders and the uniqueness of our amazing neurodivergent children, a space to learn, understand, and accept difference as just that, difference. hope you are all well did you listen last week to my conversation with Ruth Jones the speech and language therapist it was such a great conversation uh hearing from a neuroaffirming advocate for our children and how she really builds her therapy and her support for her understanding of the importance of accepting our children's communication styles and really using that to develop each child's uniqueness in her sessions if you missed it trust me you need to go back and listen to it go and check it out So today I wanted to talk to you briefly about sensory needs and how once we know these, we are in a position to support our children better, potentially reducing the impact of our environment on their nervous system, which can result in that fight, flight or freeze behavioural response. Did you know that 95% of autistics have sensory processing disorder? So it is really, really key that we understand our children's sensory needs but also their sensory avoiding and their sensory seeking behaviours. It can be such an easy exercise to carry out that environmental audit, addressing all of the sensory stimuli in our spaces that can impact our children in so many different ways. But we first need to understand the reason why it's so important that we do get our spaces right for our children. Have you thought about what your environment looks like? I mean, I'm sure you have, we're all creating these wonderful spaces but have you really looked at what it looks like what are the expected touch points for the children what does it sound like what does it smell like what are you providing the children at snack and lunchtime so what i'm going to do i'm going to break down each of those areas and really hone in on some key areas that you may not even have considered that could potentially be an impact for our children So what does it look like? How busy is the space? And by that, I include busy with people, busy with furniture, busy with lots and lots going on, busy with displays, busy with colour, busy with just stuff. If a child is walking to a space that is so busy with lots of visual stimulus, it can be so overwhelming. So just stop for a moment and consider your early years space. Just take a look around. What impact does it have on your eyes? Do you feel on edge the more you look at things? Do you feel it's too much? Does it have this calm viewpoint where you can digest easily what's going on in each area? Does everything have a space? Is there a purpose to each area? Or are there just too many distractions going on? Are displays now just wallpaper? Are notices being noticed? Is it cluttered and generally a busy space? Sometimes when we are so absorbed in it day in and day out, we just don't notice these things anymore. 
And that's what I'd really invite you to do. I'd like you to go back to your early years space and just notice. Because your autistic children will notice. And this could be a trigger for them and a trigger that overwhelms their nervous system and a trigger where we then see that flight response or that fight response. And that then in turn spirals into that meltdown. So what are the touch points? Have you considered the feel of materials, resources, carpets and clothes? All, all of those can impact our children with sensory sensitivities. What resources and activities are you setting up? Can your children play? Can your children with that sensitivity to, to touch engage in all areas of your provision? Can they access messy play without actually getting messy? What about those sensory seekers who want to emerge themselves in the mess, to feel it, to watch it run over their fingers and to roll in it and to wipe it on other surfaces? Are you allowing for that? I was in a nursery setting where a little girl was sat at the table. She was always unsure about uh, a yogurt pudding that she was given. She was given a, a spoonful of, of yogurt into a bowl. Staff told me that she generally doesn't go for it, but they always like to offer it for her, that she'd had some of her, her safe foods, and we'll go on to those in a moment, and now it was time for her to have her dessert. She placed one finger in this dessert and just very tentatively put it on her tongue. She then dipped every single fingertip into that yogurt. She clearly liked doing this because then she grabbed a handful of this yogurt and she started squidging it and moving it around on her fingers. She then got her hands and she placed them on her black leggings. Now, you know what's coming. You know what's coming up. This little girl then began to rub this yogurt up and down the legs, all across her leggings, all across these black leggings. And the beaming smile on her face was just wonderful. Did that staff member come over and say, oh, no, we need to stop doing that. Let's go and get you changed. No, she didn't. That member of staff came over. She found some yogurt herself and she started to join in, following the lead of the child, making these marks in the leggings. This little girl did not ever access the mark making area, but here she was making marks. Another member of staff was called over to take a photo for, for evidence to share with her parents. And the narrative very much was, let's go with this. And she said to her, this doesn't matter because we're going to go and get changed because it should be, we'll, we'll need to change your nappy in a moment anyway. So she joined in. What an experience. What an understanding of that child's sensory needs right in that moment. Do your children find it tricky to sit on the carpet? Is it actually the feel of the carpet that's the barrier? What are you asking children to wear? Do you have a uniform? Can they wear it? Or is it too itchy, too tight? Or does it have labels that scratch their skin? Do you insist on those tight, horrid aprons for messy play? They could be the barrier to your children accessing every area of your provision. And then what snacks are you providing? They may be happy to eat everything that you offer, but the barrier is actually picking up the cold, wet, squishy piece of satsuma. Do you offer them gloves to wear or utensils that they can use to pick up the food? Now, what does your environment sound like? Earlier settings are noisy spaces. Of course they are. 
You are providing these amazing, wondrous, exciting places for our children to be. But there can be excess noise that just doesn't need to be there. Do staff need to raise their voices across the room to get the attention of a child or another adult? Does the Alexa need to be playing music in the background? Do you need to add to the noise level of a transition with Alexa playing the Tidy Up song? If you are in a position where you have free flow access to an outside space, do you use it? Having that door open, whatever the weather, will immediately dim the noise level in the room. Really consider the more noisier times of day and reflect on those and make adjustments where you can. And do you provide accommodations like noise cancelling headphones? Children may find those really beneficial during these heightened periods of the day. And then what do your environment smell like? Just like being noisy, early year spaces are smelly. Nappies, food, children farting. I know, I know, but it is true. They do. They really do. But do you also know that staff perfumes, aftershave, body spray, shampoos, fabric conditioners, washing powders, cleaning fluids, air fresheners, anti-back sprays, lunch and tea cooking in the kitchen, the smelly Play-Doh, all of these can impact our children. Some can be so subtle that we might not be aware of it. You may be a child's trusted adult. They may snuggle in with you when they're feeling overwhelmed. But if you then go and change your body spray or your shampoo, that can impact whether a child now feels comfortable with you. You were the trusted adult, but you've now become a potential trigger. And just like with the audit of sound, do the same with smells. Which ones can you eliminate and which ones can be those potential triggers? And then the last one to have a look at is taste. What food are you providing for snack, lunch and tea time? Are you providing their safe foods? Is the expectation that to get them, to give them and, to, and for them to have their preferred snack, they need to eat the blueberries or the banana for snack time? For many, they are their preferred safe food for a reason. Every breadstick you take out of the box looks the same, smells the same, tastes the same, crunches the same. They are predictable, safe foods. That's why for many of our children, they are the preferred safe foods. No amount of wrapping food up into a smiley face on a plate or blending it into a smoothie or getting them to help you prep will mean that they eat it. It won't work for many of our children, in which case our children go hungry and a hungry individual can't regulate and a hungry non-speaking urgent child will be who will be hungry, unable to regulate and potentially unable to tell you that their tummy hurts and that's therefore why they're screaming and crying and having a meltdown in front of you. So know your children's sensory profile, know the impact of the sensory space on our neurodivergent children and provide that calming sensory sensitive space and experience for them. Keep them feeling safe, help them feel that this is the place that's right for them and enable them to feel regulated and supported as their sensory needs are met. If you haven't yet done so, join me over on my Instagram page at aperion underscore training. There is lots and lots more over there that can help you in your quest and your um, plan to deliver that neuro affirming practice within your provision. And go ahead over to my to my website, join me on my mailing list for monthly newsletters and webinars and make sure that you like and follow me right here on Spotify or other podcast platforms to hear more from me 
my future guests and talking more about neuroaffirming practice. Have an amazing day. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. It's been really great having you with me. Do let me know what you thought of the episode. I'd really love to hear your thoughts. And I'd also love to connect with you more. So do come and find me on my Instagram at aperion underscore training or email me via my website. All of the details are in the show notes below. And so that you don't miss out on any further episodes, do make sure that you hit that follow button. Thanks very much. Take care.